Welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. As a church, we believe that you're made for this, and God has a plan for your life. Here's this week's message. I'm so grateful for you and grateful for what God is doing in our church, and he, he's not done, man. I, I, I really feel like God is shifting and changing some things in me because we're in the we're in this vision and the vision is really just made for this. Our job is to prepare you for what God has for you. And if you've been here for six to nine months, you, you've heard me say that the Lord is bringing seven years of favor to the church. Anybody believing for favor? Anybody believing for blessing? Anybody believing for increase? Come on, if you ain't clapping, let it go to your neighbor. I'm, I'm telling you, are you believing for it? But if I'm not careful and pastors are not careful, we do not let you know how difficult favor is to manage. Because sometimes the favor is so heavy and the favor is so difficult, it'll make you feel like you're failing when your failure is actually favor. Anybody feel the weight of the favor? And I think what I made a mistake in is I I didn't tell you that favor is incredibly uncomfortable. The prophet Biggie said it this way, more money, more problems. Come on, somebody, more more money, say more money, more, see, I didn't say more. I want you to say the way black people say it. Not more, yeah, he's right, more money, more, more problems. More fiscal, more fiscal advancement, more problems. No, no, I said more, somebody say more. Okay, everybody's black for the next your lead pastor's black. Everybody's black for the next 35 minutes. You can say mo. And while we're on what black people do, um, I just want to release somebody this February to say Valentine's Day, not Valentine's Day. Why do black people do that? Valentine's. It's not with an M. It's with an N. So I'm going to release you this February to say Valentine's Day. Turn to your neighbor and say Valentine's Day. Uh, why, why are we talking about race? I mean, he's five minutes in and he hasn't read one scripture. I came here to hear the word. Not to hear you pontificate about black culture. If I think of something else black people do, I'll tell you. If I think of something else we do, I'll tell you. I'll do a series on that, things black people do, and just... We won't even preach the word. I, I probably have to be on a Tuesday night because that's not what Sunday is for. It'll be great. It's everybody will learn. Um, so anyway, I will read a scripture. I know somebody's getting upset, probably get an email about this, but that's okay. I'm just being myself. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 25, verse 14 through 29, because I don't want to fail you as a pastor in, in your life that just because we're talking about favor, that it's going to be really comfortable and everything's going to go exactly the way you want it to go and nothing bad's going to happen. No, favor actually takes incredible responsibility. Favor actually takes incredible faith and favor is incredibly difficult. Matter of fact, Jesus uh, prayed um, and asked for prayer for only two things I have found in the New Testament. One, he asked for prayer when he was going to the cross he was getting ready to deal with uh, such a great suffering, more suffering than any human on record has ever dealt with. And he, and he asked his disciples to stand and, and watch with him and pray. And another time he saw a group of people and he was moved with compassion because the Bible says they were like sheep 
without a shepherd. And he turned to his disciples and say, said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his harvest. We are not farmers. We don't understand that, that the harvest, meaning the thing you were believing for, the thing you've been praying for, the harvest was actually harder than the sowing. And they have, they have developed machines that can throw seeds in the ground, but there's a lot a uh, harder machine to develop that can actually pick a strawberry or a grape off of the vine. In many cultures, that is done by hand. So even technology can't help you with the harvest. He said, I need prayer. I need people to help me. And so even as you sit here in church, you know, my prayer would probably be what Jesus is prayer was. It should be. I, I need help. I, I can't do this by myself. Christ said he could not help the people he was called to by himself, he prayed for help. I am grateful, and I'm shouting out the last couple of weeks, people who have stepped up and helped. I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you're encouraged. But praise God for the people sitting next to you that are willing to help. Matter of fact, if you've been willing to help and you've served or you've given to anything God is doing in this church, can you raise your hand right now? Can we praise God for the people that are willing to help in what God is doing in the church? Thank you for the help. And so Jesus starts to break this down and he shares this parable of scripture that I think is incredibly profound and it's going to encourage someone today. If you have your Bibles, Matthew 25 verses 14 through 29, Jesus is telling this parable and he tells it to his disciples and he says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on the long trip. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like this. The reason why Jesus continued to talk about the kingdom of heaven is because he was talking to a group of people who were obsessed with kingdoms. Kingdoms ran everything. They were in the kingdom of Rome, the Roman Empire, the Roman kingdom, and they were obsessed with kingdoms. And they thought that because Jesus, their king, had showed up, that the first thing Jesus was going to do was overthrow this Roman kingdom and put them in positions of power in this earthly kingdom. And he was trying to teach them that there are two kingdoms, the earthly kingdom and the heavenly kingdom. And this is what happens when pastors start to preach about favor, when pastors start to preach about increase, what most people do is they start trying to figure out how that favor and increase can show up through an earthly kingdom. We start to dream about what this world has to offer. So you're either one of two categories. You have this poverty mindset where nothing good is ever going to happen for you. And why does everybody else always get what happened? But, but even in, in inequality, you start to realize there is absolutely any inequality in the earth. There are some things that, that if you're a woman in this earthly kingdom, it's going to be harder for you. There are certain kingdoms, if you're a, a Hispanic, it's going to be harder for you. There are certain kingdoms, if you're a white conservative, it's going to be harder for you. Everyone is establishing a kingdom right now. And what I want to warn us from doing is thinking that when God is ready to give us increase in favor, it starts with us positioning ourselves in an earthly kingdom. Everything in this world has a kingdom. And what they do is they create a culture, a way of life in that kingdom. And in order to be a part of that kingdom, you have to adopt that mindset. And so when you get this feeling that God wants to bless you, don't go looking for the earthly kingdom to be a part of. This is so important. 
Because now you have to become what that kingdom wants you to become to be a part of it. But Jesus told them, no, you don't need me to come in and take over that earthly kingdom. Those are two completely different kingdoms. And watch what he says. Because I think we think prayer is of the kingdom of God. Righteousness is in the kingdom of God. Peace is in the kingdom of God. And if I want to make some money, I got to go to the kingdom of the world. But watch this phrase, he says. He called his servants together and entrusted them with some money. Somebody say money. Man, anybody want to be entrusted with some money today? Make some noise. See, in church... We love to talk about trusting God, but we don't talk about the increase and favor, even financially, that happens when God can trust you. Oh, I'm throwing this binder way early in the sermon today. I know you trust God, but can God trust you? Trusting God for every step you take. I know you trust God, but can God trust you? It doesn't say he blessed him. It doesn't say he gave to them. It doesn't say he made it rain on them. It says he entrusted them. That means that he gave them his trust before he gave them his resources. Do you know what God would do right now if he could just trust you? Think about this. I have so many people in my life that love my children. I trust Deshaun with my kids. I trust the lens. I don't trust everybody with my kids. You ever had somebody watch your kids? And you say, hey, I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to stay with you. Uh, stay with my kids. I'm going to go, you know, fill up my, my, my drink with some lemonade. You had Chipotle. And somebody keeps an eye on your kid for two minutes. There's probably a lot of people you know that you let keep your eye on your, their eye on your kid for two minutes. But a week? And you're going overseas? That list gets real small. So when God wants to provide for people, the list is huge. I'll take care of everybody's needs. But when God wants to give kingdom money, generational wealth, he doesn't look for people that want generational wealth. How are you going to leave generational wealth and you haven't even left generational faith? You think God's going to give you enough money for your grandkids and you ain't got enough faith? You got faith for today, but you want money for generations? I'm, I'm, I, can't, I can't handle this. I, get, I, I need, here, we got to get a punching bag on stage so I can just let something out. Because like, I can't throw the binder because I always threaten to throw the binder. But I need something to kick. I just like, ah, 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 ah. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you something that's going to change your life. God's getting ready to give you increase, but he needs to know that he can trust you. He needs to know that he can trust you. He says he gave them money. And he gave five bags of silver to one. I need you to have context. These five bags of silver weighed anywhere between 71 pounds and 125 pounds, each bag. So to give you some context, at the bare minimum, they had money that weighed four or 500 pounds. They wouldn't have been able to move four or 500 pounds of money themselves. 
So, so God must have been giving them enough money. By the way, five bags of silver was enough to employ 100 employees for a year. So if you don't have 100 employees, level of love and a level of faith and a level of responsibility, he, you don't need that much money. He gave them enough money for 100 people to live off of it for a year. I want to give you that context so you can understand in this day's age, this would have been millions of dollars. It says the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. I should have called this sermon secure the bag. That'd have been fire. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. You ever notice in this passage, I just noticed it today, that the servant who was given the least amount was the one who did nothing with it. We always do that. Lord, if you bless me, I'm going to build the church a new kid's wing. You don't even serve now. You don't give nothing now. You don't buy a cup of coffee now. You don't, you don't do anything with what you have now. And you think that God's going to give you more. That's a poverty mindset. I don't have enough time, so I can't. I don't have enough money, so I can't. I don't have enough resources, so I can't. My family didn't do this, so I can't. I, I can't do that because the way I grew up, I can't. And we start saying I can't. And we don't realize that we're in a season where God is saying, I need to be able to trust you. I know you trust me, but if you want resources, like I need to trust you. And, and the person with the littlest amount could not be trusted. It says, after a long time, their master ret returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Wait, what? <laughs> What'd you say? Excuse me? Huh? So you gave me a bunch of money. You gave me a bunch of resources. And now as a reward, you're going to give me more responsibility. In the kingdom of heaven, the reward is not comfort. The reward is more responsibility. I'm going to put more on you. We're in a season where we think we're doing something wrong. We're like, it's too much. No, God, I already have this on my plate and God doesn't take stuff off your plate. He gives you a platter and gives you more responsibility. If you feel weighted down by responsibility, it's because you're operating in a kingdom reward. Congratulations to whom much is given, much is required. And we have people who want the money, but they don't want the responsibility. You got people posting hustle and grind hard and they ain't seen their kids in three months. You going to chase the money 
but you don't want the responsibility. And God is saying, if I could just find someone who's willing to take responsibility, then I would give them the resources for their responsibilities. But since you don't want to be responsible for anyone, then I'll give you provision. You have enough for you. But the moment you take responsibility for your church, I'll give you enough resources to give to your church. The moment you take responsibility for your family, I'll give you enough resources for your family. The moment you take responsibility for your community, I'll give you enough resources for your community. The more you take responsibility for young people, I'll give you resources for young people. The more you take responsibility for your co-workers, I might make you the boss to put you responsibility over the co-workers. But since you don't want responsibility, I can't give you my money. We got a generation that wants to be rich, but they don't want to be responsible. I can hear Biggie from heaven. That's just what I want to say. That's why I want to say what he's going. If you do, do, die, do. Oh, he's literally next to Jesus. I feel like in heaven he can breathe just a little bit better, but still, feel like he slimmed down a little bit. But I feel like he still got that same voice. Oh, he's trying to tell you. You want the money, but you don't want the responsibility. And the better you do, the more I'm going to give you. I'm so overwhelmed. I know. It's so much. I know because you did well. If I give you less, that means I'm displeased with you and I don't trust you. I'm trusting you with that burden. I'm trusting you with that kid who doesn't listen. I'm trusting you with that bad uh, employee and you, you have to you have to give them an opportunity. I'm trusting you with that wife who's a little bit different than what you wanted her to be. I'm trusting you with that husband that's different than what you wanted them to be. Yes, they're a knucklehead, but I knew I would give my best knucklehead husband to one of my best daughters. I'm trusting you. I know it's a responsibility and when y'all was dating, it felt like intimacy and it felt like connection and now it feels like responsibility and you want to leave because you think my favor is in comfort but no I give you responsibility and then send the Holy Spirit who's the comforter I don't give you favor through comfort I give you favor through hard things and then I send my comforter the Holy Spirit so don't you dare give up don't you dare quit don't you dare let think that I'm not here for you. My reward is more responsibility. Who's praying for more? Who's believing for more? Guess what? It's more responsibility. That's all it is. Because you did a good job. I'm going to hold you responsible. If you're single and you're believing to be married, God Come on, fellas. I'm coming for you today. God will put, I mean, a fine woman in front of you that ain't your wife. And see, even though you're attracted to her, can you steward her well? And can you be kind and want nothing in return? Because some women have never seen a godly man who wants nothing. And so he'll make you steward his daughter. You walking up everybody, hollering every girl you see, trying to, why would God give you, you know marriage means to give away, why would God give you his daughter? 
and you not even, so you can just sleep with her, and when you're tired of her, move on? Lord, I'm praying for a wife. See, see, no, you don't have enough provision in your life because you can't handle responsibility. So you can't handle resources. You, you, you can't handle resources because you can't handle responsibility. And I'm telling you right now, there is going to be so much favor and so much increase to those God can trust with responsibility. Every place you are in, look for a way to take responsibility. I'm learning this, man. I'm learning this in my own life. Like, if I want my marriage to be better, take responsibility. If I want the church to be better, take responsibility. Take responsibility. But when you operate in the kingdom of the world, you need someone else to take responsibility. You need someone else to take responsibility. That's the way the kingdom of the world works. And, and, and I'm believing that and we have many people in the, in, the, in the entertainment industry, and there's a big strike right now. And I'm believing that the corporation is going to take responsibility and pay fairly. But if you are a believer, you don't need them to do that. God is not in heaven going, we really want to bless you. But since the president of Disney is selfish, we're helpless. No. He's going to take something from that man and give it to you. Can I keep going for a second? Can I teach a little bit? He says in, 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 in verse 24, the servant with one bag of silver came, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and, and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. When's the last time you heard a pastor? Every time a pastor uses the word wicked, every time a leader uses the word wicked, they're always talking about people in the world who don't think what they think. They're always talking about people out there. But Jesus said, that's all you got? You didn't go do something with what I gave you? And you made an excuse not to do something with what I gave you because what you thought I gave you, you were scared to lose it, so you didn't use it. You didn't take any risk. You wicked servant. I don't want to be a wicked servant. I don't want God to give me his resources and I do nothing. And he goes, man, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest from it. And verse 28 is so scary to me. Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance Somebody say abundance. To those, take it from them and give it to them. So in this season, and I'm using that, the striker's example, prophetically, God is taking something from them and giving it to you. That ain't going to happen through negotiation. That ain't going to happen through that. That happens when God says, I'm done with this. And you know who he's looking for? He's looking for somebody who ain't like them. Because what you have to do is you have to address this deep, profound thing of humility. Is the reason why you don't have that yet is there something in you that would do the same thing. And if you identify that one thing, 
that I'm like that and you get rid of it, God will exalt you to that position. There's never something God wants you to do that humans can stop. Never. Lord, what is it in me? Am I not ready? What is it? And most of the time, it's not something evil or wicked. You just actually don't know how deep and heavy. Come on, y'all. Come on, parents. At the gender reveal, we love popping them little balloons and everybody show up for that. But when them little jokers come up and they stand up all night, ain't nobody from that gender reveal party there at 3 a.m. We love. Ready? One, two, three. Pop it, Pinko. Ah! And everybody jumping up for you. Well, them jokers ain't slept for four hours. Ain't none of them friends there. You should call up everybody from your gender reveal party. It's like, hey. Remember sweet baby girl you was jumping up and down for? She won't go to bed. I need you to come over right now. No. Because everybody wants a celebration. Everybody wants the cake. Nobody wants the responsibility. The responsibility is on you. Everybody wants the good part of the party. Nobody wants responsibility. Everybody wants to come to the party. Nobody wants to stay to clean up. Come on, y'all. Red solo cup faith. You know what red solo cup faith is? I should call this message red solo cup faith. Red solo cup faith is when you show up to the potluck unprepared. You're not willing to put anything in. You expect to eat. And then on the way there, you forgot to actually prepare or make some food like they told you two weeks ago. So you stop by 7-Eleven and you buy some red Solo cups and you walk in there and eat up all the food and all you brought to the table was red Solo cups. That's red Solo cup faith. You want to eat, but you don't want responsibility. Do you see what I'm saying? And God is like, I'm getting ready. If I could trust you, if I could trust you, the number one thing I want to be trusted with is people. I want to be trusted with people. Because remember, this was enough for 100 employees. God's getting ready to give you enough for 100 employees. And he's watching to what happens with your employees. So it's like, for me today, when I'm, I, I just apologize to one of my employees. Because I'm like, hey, man, we, we, we got to make sure. I want God to be able to trust me with people. And then God can entrust you with the money. He's got to be able to trust you with people. He says, take it from them. We're all in one of two categories. And I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm trying to be truthful. We are either someone who God is taking away something from or God is giving it to us because he's taking it from someone else. And I just noticed whenever there's a conflict, in the, it's our culture to go, it's their fault. Instead of going, that was me. That was me. And when you're a Christian, you are anointed enough prophetic enough for the 10% thing you did wrong to have more impact than someone else's 90%. So you say something with a tone as a Christian. You can cut people in ways that you don't even imagine because you have the spirit and you have to get the prophecy and we have to get the prophecy. It tears down or builds up. So you think, why are you so sensitive? No, you're a prophet. They're not sensitive. Everything you say builds or destroys. But we don't want that responsibility. We want them to not be so sensitive. I don't know. Like, you just, I don't feel like I can say anything. I don't feel like I can say anything to you. Like, you just get upset at everything. No, we got to take responsibility for the power of our words. And God's saying, if you take responsibility for how you use your words, I'm going to give you more responsibility for how people listen to your words. You can go in a meeting and say something. 
and they're like, do the deal. We've never done a deal like this, but do the deal. They, they, will, they will bow to the power of your words because when you're in private talking to your friends without a tone, God has saw you humble yourself and not give yourself a reason to disrespect someone else. So let me put more power and authority and responsibility on your words. Just pick an area and say, I got to take more responsibility. But we go, I'm just so frustrated. You don't realize how much you frustrate me. No, that's not the way it works. We got to take responsibility. Or God's going to take something from us and give it to somebody who's more responsible for your work. If no one listens to what you have to say, how many times did you use the opportunity to say something to say something hurtful or not helpful? We got to take more responsibility. Now, here's what's crazy. This verse is about money. This makes me so happy because the Bible says, uh, do not have the love of money is the root of all evil. So I don't love money. I hate being broke. I, just, I don't love money. I don't. That I can't stand being broke. I hate it. It gives me an allergic reaction. Like one time I literally looked at my account. This was years ago. My account was $18 overdrawn. My nose started bleeding. I broke out in a rash. Like I'm, my body just reacts to it a certain way. And so I want to know what God's word says about money. And what I have found is the people with the most money in the Bible had the most responsibility. And so the place that you're in right now, church, ask yourself, have I taken responsibility through giving, through serving? Am I holding myself responsible for what happens in the church, and not because we're trying to manipulate you. Many pastors do that to manipulate you. But everywhere I go, I want to show God that he can trust me. Because he will. And he'll bless you in ways you can't possibly imagine. Now, in order to interpret the Bible correctly, we have to know, and I'm going to close with this. I want the team to come up. We have to know why Jesus actually told them this story. Because otherwise, we can just read it in this context and we can go, yeah, man, God is like amazing. God wants to bless you with money. But this is why Jesus said this story. He's actually, uh, this is a really long-winded answer. All of Matthew 24 and all of Matthew 25 is a really long-winded answer to a question his disciples answered, asked him. In Matthew, the youth are getting ready because we have 14 youth getting water baptized today. 14 youth. Y'all better clap a little louder than that. They didn't make a putt. They're getting water baptized. fire. Matthew 24. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things he asked? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everything will be thrown down, including the church, the temple that they had built, the temple that politicians had helped them build. And I think to this day, we're looking for politicians to help us build our church. Oh, we got to get the Democrats out and get the conservatives in because they're going to help us build the church. The, Jesus was looking at the church that the politicians helped him build. He goes, it's going to get torn down. And 50 years later, it didn't exist. And Jesus was sitting there at the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? So the reason why Jesus is telling the parable of the talents is because he's answering the question of when will Christ return? 
And the Bible would suggest by what we're reading that one of the markers of Christ returning is believers increasing. Not problems, increase. You ever hear that, that auntie that goes, the world's going crazy, Christ is coming back? No, 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 no. He comes back with increase when it's going well. And so he starts to break a bunch of stuff down and he says in Matthew 24, verse 6, and, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Anybody heard of wars and rumors of wars? He says, see to it that you are not alarmed for this must take place. So when people tell you, how is God real when all this bad stuff is happening in the world? You can point on the Matthew 24. He gave a prophecy. This must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation. And that word nation isn't uh, uh, Russia will rise against Ukraine. That, that word nation is ethnos. Ethnicity will rise against ethnicity. It's almost as if he's prophesying. I don't want to put too much on the scripture, but it's almost as if he's prophesying that there'll be racism. These ethnicity will rise against ethnicity, but do not be alarmed. Kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes and natural disasters in various places. All these are the beginning of the birth pains. The birth pains. How do you know when that beautiful baby is on the way, the thing that you have been praying for, the thing that you've been nurturing? How do you know that it's on the way? You start to be in pain. And if you feel a pain on Monday morning and don't feel another one until Wednesday, you're not close. But when the pain is frequent and consistent, something good is coming. So he's telling you that, that when you're in pain and it's difficult, that means something good is coming. It says, then they'll deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Anybody been betrayed? Anybody been done dirty? Make some noise. Many false prophets will arise and say, you know, Mercury's in retrograde. You got to do that and like lie to crystal and do all this stuff. Those are false prophets trying to get you to be blessed any other way than God. You think that God wants to bless you and he can't because Mercury isn't in retrograde yet? You think God wants to bless you? But until you put a crystal in the bathroom and burn some sage, the negative energy is just going to stop it. You think God's in heaven talking to Moses, telling him, I really want to get him provision, but they won't go see a psychic. You think God is in heaven needing somebody to read your palm? No. Those are false prophets. And we don't realize they're false prophets because they're accurate. The, 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 main, the main qualification for being a false prophet is not inaccuracy. It's someone God did not send. I, I need to punch it back. It says, then many will fall away. False prophets will arise and lead astray. And watch this. And because lawlessness will be increased... And that word lawlessness is like the, the effect of the soul for people who have rejected God's word. That's what that word lawlessness means. The love of many will grow cold. 
but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And if you read the whole passage, it goes that God will literally, God will literally, the gospel will go to the ends of the earth and then I'll return. That's what he says. And so then later he brings up Matthew 25 and goes, hey, you know what I want you to do? You know what I want you to do? When everything is going really bad, I want you to increase. What? I don't want you to get in a room and pray that all this stuff stops. It must happen. I'm going to put Christians in the most challenging time in human history and ask them to make more happen when less around them is going well. You would think that God would say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop all the stuff. I'm going to stop all the bad things. No, he says, you know what? I'm going to give some people I can trust my resources. And then they're going to use those resources to bring healing. So it's not that the earth is so bad because God is not good. The earth is so bad because Christians don't take responsibility. Twenty percent of the church gives. Twenty percent of the church serves. Twenty percent of the church is outreach in their community. Twenty percent. No one can find a number that's higher than twenty percent of the people who are willing to take responsibility. So Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father so spirit-filled Christians can take responsibility. And we are the vessel of God's love in the earth. We are the vessel of God's grace in the earth. We are the vessel of God's mercy in the earth. We are the vessel of God's truth in the earth. It's on you. He's not coming until you take responsibility. He goes on at the end of Matthew 25 after telling him, He's going to give them a bunch of financial resources. Because I know you thought the financial resources were to make you feel blessed. No, no, no. Let me tell you what it's for. He closes. Then the king, this is Jesus coming back, will say to those on his right, come on, those who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. You didn't just believe what the Bible says about abortion, but you don't believe what the Bible says about immigrants. You, you took me in. You, you, you clothed me. You, you cared for me. You, you helped me. You didn't make excuses not to do it, but you did it. You came and you visited me when I was in prison. You didn't say that's what you get. You went and visited them. You had resources to those who were in jail, those who committed the crime. You didn't just say, oh, we need tougher laws on crime. You went to see the prisoners because you remembered that I said that I came to set the prisoners and the captives free. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You did that for me. It says, and the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see? What are you talking about? When did we see you hungry? When did we feed you? When were you thirsty? When did we give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or, or needed clothes and, and, and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And then the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, 
you did for me. So Matthew 24 tells us why Jesus wants to increase the money so that we can use these resources to help those in need to make the world prepared and ready for Christ's return. It's not so the earthly kingdom can be more comfortable for us. We are here to move a heavenly kingdom here on earth. And you don't need an earthly kingdom to change its ways for you to be blessed in the heavenly kingdom. You just need to be responsible. And so I want you to stand your feet right now. I want you to stand to your feet right now. And I want you to just be with the Lord for a second or two. And I want you to just ask the Lord, what, what place am I in that I have yet to take responsibility? And what better place to start than the church? Maybe God would, you know, have you serve? Maybe God would have you give. I mean, if you've come here more than 14 times in the last six months, ask yourself, have I taken any responsibility? Do I just come and let everybody else take care? Take responsibility in the places that God has called you because the favor is going to take responsibility. And so I just feel like the Lord said, my reward is responsibility. And if you reject the responsibility, then you're rejecting all of the favor and increase that comes to those who are willing to take responsibility. And so I want to pray right now. If you know there's an area, it could be in the church. It could be at your job. It could be in your home. Maybe you're a young person and, and like your parents have to clean everything up and do everything and you got big dreams, but you don't take responsibility. I want you to just pray about it right now. If you know there's a place in your life where the Holy Spirit needs you to take responsibility, I want you to lift your hands right now. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Come on, can we praise God for all the humble souls in the room? We thank you, Lord. Father, help them. Guide them and lead them, Lord. Help them take responsibility for all the things that you have called them to do. And, and Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you're guiding them and lead you. And even right now in this moment, Lord, you're saying to somebody that you took responsibility for their sin. That while the world tries to tell them how terrible they are and how sinful they are. Yes, we're all sinners saved by grace. But Lord, you saved us. You, you're not asking us to do something you haven't done. You, you took responsibility for our sin on the cross. And right now, someone doesn't have the ability to be responsible for the kingdom because they haven't let you take responsibility for their sin by repenting, receiving the grace and the shed blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. So... For some of you right now, you can put your hands down, but I'm going to have you put your hands back up if you need to have Jesus take responsibility for your sin today, that you need to be saved by grace through faith, that he is the son of God, that he didn't come, he lived, he died, so that you could find forgiveness of your sins. Not that you would try to decide what sin is and what it's not, but that you would say it's all sin and I need the grace of Jesus and I'm, I'm coming in the presence of God right now to receive this grace, to receive this forgiveness from God. And, and I want to repent and I want the Holy Spirit to help me change my ways. If that's you, I want you to lift your hands on the count of three. One, two, three. Just say, I need Jesus and lift your hands. We thank you, Lord, for salvation today for those in the room. Keep your hands lifted high. I see your hands. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. Come on, praise God. I see you in the balcony. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 
22, 23. We thank you, Lord. 24, 25. Give God a great big shout of praise today. We thank you, Lord. Come on, exalt the Lord. Youth are getting baptized. People are getting saved. Come on, let's praise God together that God is getting ready to give you an increase of favor, but the favor is going to come with responsibility. And I'm just believing right now that God is trusting Oasis Church for the city of Los Angeles. If you believe it, let's worship. Let's honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe, review, and share with a friend. To join us on the journey of being present, connected, and generous, visit oasisla.org connect. We love you so much and we'll see you soon.